Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your host, DJ, DJ host. Did we ever settle on that? Who knows? Whatever we call ourselves, I'm Tierney Steele, and I have a wonderful guest here with us today from Real Comic Heroes, and I have to say it weirdly because it's a pun. Please welcome Travis Bow. Hello there. You're, uh, you did it way better than uh, Niall over at... at- <laughs> Batman. He always says real comics heroes and then pauses oh. and is like, did I get that right? And I always have to tell him, nope, no, you didn't. But let's move on. <laughs> These things happen. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good here. It's going better for us than it is for the characters in this movie in this scene. Uh, this is where Falfa and Milner set up their race. And then we watch Falfa and Lori head out of town. Um, and you also get a little bit of Steve. And you get a little bit of Kurt and a little bit of Wolfman. You get a little bit of everybody this yeah. this, uh, little, this scene. <laughs> little uh, Toad. Yes. The soundtrack for all this is the Cleftones 1961 hit Heart and Soul. Travis, what would you prefer to talk about first, the action or the music? Uh, we could do the music first. Cool. Uh, this, I have to admit, I wouldn't have recognized this as the duet from Big. Heart and Soul is indeed... The song, originally written in 1938 by Hoagie Carmichael, shout out to the Best Minutes podcast about the best years of our lives, which Hoagie Carmichael was in, and lyrics by Frank Loessner, L-O-E-S-S-E-R. Probably Lesner. Lesner. I've never seen it. That one I've never heard out loud. And I always get distracted by what an amazingly cool name Hoagie Carmichael is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I know about Hoagie Carmichael is that he is the man who Ian Fleming like pictured in his mind when he was writing James Bond. <laughs> like and he he said that multiple times in a few different places and even in the books in a, in three of the books I think he has other characters tell James like you look just like Hoagie Carmichael and James doesn't doesn't see it himself but <laughs> uh yeah so no I'm going to be Sean Connery. Yeah. And I didn't know didn't know that Hoagie Carmichael is uh, was born in Bloomington, Indiana, which is very close to where I live. Just uh, it's about a forty-five minute drive, but yeah, grew up in Bloomington and uh, Indianapolis, and that surprised me. He's a real hometown hero. Yeah, I remember doing research for the Best Minutes podcast, and I was just like, "Wow, it's it's everywhere." I love it. Fascinating guy, and he wrote the he wrote this song. It is recognizably heart and soul. It's a cover, but it is done. So basically what I read was that the Cleftones, which formed in 1955 and started out as like a joke at the high school that a bunch of the members went to. In 1959, their manager basically convinced them like, you guys are going to have more success if you record songs that are already popular. And so they went back in time, pulled this one out, and it was a huge hit. What I really loved is I found a quote from Billboard that said, um, it's the standard tune and it's done in rocking teen slanted fashion with a swinging beat. And that's just perfect for this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it has a quality to it that reminds me a lot of uh, Earth Angel from Back to the Future. 
Ooh, yeah. Like just because I think in this uh, little section of the movie, you mostly just hear this song kind of, it's very background. You know, you got a couple people talking over it most of the time and just has enough of a, a similar cadence and rhythm. I think towards the end of Earth Angel, right, as George McFly is about to kiss Lorraine during yeah. the dance. So, yeah. It's a little bouncier, but mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. 1961, this movie set in 62, so this would have been, like, not the latest greatest hit, but a recent hit. Mm, yeah. It's topped out at 18 on the Hot 100, uh, so did very well. And then there were some personnel descriptions also when I was reading about the song. Um, Panama Francis on the drums, especially since we're talking about the beat. Uh, seemed important. And I did check that Herbie Cox was the lead singer when this happened because the Cleftones, like most of the bands we talk about here, went through some personnel changes over the years. Oh, okay. And then the other thing that always came up, because I guess Panama Francis was kind of like a guest, you know, was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do the song with you guys. And uh, also, same situation, uh, Dwayne Hitchens on keyboards. That name didn't mean anything to me the way Panama Francis did. But if you're listening and you're like, oh, my God, like, that's why it sounds like this song or whatever. Shout out to you, dear listener. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really cute song. I like that it's a... 50 sounding song like it's a doo-wop song oh yeah yeah but it's 61 and i feel like this is it's so hard you can't say there's like one song that really represents american graffiti because the (laughs) whole point is that the movie is wall-to-wall music and it all represents american graffiti yeah but there's something about like this you know what it is this transitions really well between the different plots going on okay like this works as background music for Felfa pulling up at Mel's and challenging Milner to the race. Sure, yeah. It also contrasts really nicely with the conversation that Felfa and Lori have in the car. <laughs> and it makes yeah. every beat that Harrison Ford is doing hilariously comedic. <laughs> we'll get into it, I'm sure, when we talk about the actual meat, but yeah. yeah. And then it still it works, you know, people are cruising and listening to the song and like, Kurt's teeny tiny little car. Yeah. <laughs> like it fits really well under these like very different tone scenes. Yeah. I've never heard this song before. If I have, I've I don't I didn't realize it, but mm. I really like this song. It's very easy listening, but then a couple times uh it, a few of the lyrics you know the i don't know if it's the lead singer but he does this he sings it in a certain way that it has a real like rough and dirty edge to a few of the lyrics like because he's saying uh, when he says hold me tight it's like i don't want to try and do it because it'll, it'll sound <laughs> terrible but it's just he's got like a gravel in his voice to a few of those lyrics and what whereas the rest of the song is very bubbly and then that someone in the background has a very like deep kind of uh, baritone doing some backup vocals. Uh, yeah, I just I really like it. Maybe it's that contrast that is what I was really into. Because you're right. He just he lets it go. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, all these groups had lead singers. and But I usually only mention them if it's like a big deal or sure. if it's like, you know, Frankie Lyman and the <laughs> Buddy Holly and the. Right. <laughs> like, but. This is a case where, you know, I kind of had to dig and be like, okay, so this year, yeah, this makes sense because of how much that sing the lead singer sells this song. 
like really makes the song. Uh, I wanted to make sure I gave it a shout out. For sure. So we mentioned a little bit of the action that's happening over this song. Um, the first thing that you see is our goodbye to the Wolfman. On screen. Hello, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Our last our last shot of the Wolfman is as Kurt walks out of the radio station into the night. I like that uh, realization that Kurt gets because he's had this conversation with Wolfman, of, you know. It's not really him and, and all that. And I like just that little smile on his face when he realizes like, oh, this this was Wolfman. That is the perfect. You're right. Because and, and it's not said. All he does is smile. Oh, my God. All right. So one of my pet peeves and you do a podcast about comics and movies and comic book movies, which Batman, Dark Knight, Nolan is it where Gary Oldman finds out that Bruce oh. Wayne is Batman. It's the last one. It's it's the last moment that they have together. Yeah. As, as Batman's about to fly the bomb. I don't away. know why I'm blanking on the name of which movie that is. Oh, Rise, Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Okay, thank you. It drives me insane that he says Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. And what dry and I loved the beat up until then. And what I was like furiously like complaining about in the ride home from the movie theater and i said i was like gary oldman is a good actor he could have conveyed sure <laughs> that that had been put together he does not need to say it out loud let the actor sell that moment to the audience well and like, i oh <laughs> <laughs> I actually just recently rewatched that trilogy not too long ago. I want to say that they even do a little PS in that scene and show a little flashback of young Jim Gordon putting a coat on young Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I think. Like a, a callback to the there. first movie, you know. Yes. I remember there being a flashback. Yeah, okay. I don't remember where. But yeah. yes. So, yeah, you don't also need – that's putting a hat on a hat. You know, you don't yes! need him saying it if they're also going to show what you know is in his mind. Yeah, and you know what? I have watched movies that I have very much enjoyed that maybe did not have the caliber of acting. And I – so what I'm saying is I've watched movies where you need the person to say out loud, sure. oh, I have figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Wayne is Batman – you know, like looking to camera – did you also know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, and that's what I was like practically screaming. I was like, Gary Oldman could sell that. All he has to do is look and you will know that he knows. <laughs> and so this America, I never put that together, but maybe that's why I love this movie so much is because American Graffiti lets Richard Dreyfus smile and tell you <laughs> that he knows. Wow. Okay. So Wolfman Jack is a superhero. I mean, the, <laughs> the kids in this movie obviously think so. Oh, yeah. He's boss. He's boss. My superhero is, uh, from my next note, he's not a superhero in this movie, first, like, to be clear. But my note was, don't you wish Harrison Ford would just pull up perfectly into your life? <laughs> <laughs> like, way to hit your mark with that car, Ford. Oh, yeah. He's, he's so great. I was going to ask uh, kind of what your what your experience was with this movie. And because uh, most of us, I think, came to it and were like, Harrison Ford's in this. <laughs> <laughs> I had no history with this movie. 
my I guess the the only real history I I have previously had with this movie was at uh, Movies by Minutes I believe in Chicago the first uh, meetup the the fellows from Star Wars Minute did a panel with the the guys from Indiana Jones Minute because of the Harrison Ford connection and I think each of them it was something about the whole uh, fever dream thing you know mm-hmm. how they're they're connected you know, through Harrison Ford. And so each, I think each person brought a clip of a Harrison Ford moment from, from any movie uh, other than Indiana Jones or star Wars. And this was Pete, the retailer's clip. Um, I can't remember for some reason. I, I, I remember him playing a clip, but I don't remember seeing this scene. And I think it could be because like he was talking about that. He really likes that moment. And which is weird for him because it's like a special edition sort of change to the movie. And then that, that didn't sit well with, oh. with Pete because it's like he likes a special edition sort of change. Now, you know what? I will I will soothe Pete the retailer's soul and our listeners because he had to be talking about the Some Enchanted Evening. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, not this moment of the movie, but yeah, the, the Some Enchanted Evening. So that was added back in, Okay, but it was added as soon as Star Wars became a hit. Ah, okay. Because the studio took out four scenes. Lucas ah. Lucas had edited together. This is what Lucas wanted his movie to be. And the studio cut out four scenes that they thought, we can lose that and we're not losing anything from the movie. You know? Like, sure. like, probably hitting some... Re- Who knows? Who knows? But there were four... Four things that they were like, whatever, this isn't going to make a difference. And one of them was Bob Falfa serenading mm-hmm. Lori with some enchanted evening. They said, we don't need this. This does nothing for the movie. <laughs> and it's weird. Yeah. And the minute that Star Wars became a hit starring Harrison Ford directed by George Lucas, Lucas went to the studio and said, if you ever want to show American Graffiti again, you will put those four <laughs> things back. Yeah. And he wouldn't let them just put back in the Ford stuff. They, he said, I want it all back. Nice. And so ever since then, and this was before like VHS and all that stuff. So basically this was when they would, you know, re-release to theaters mm. every couple okay. of years or whatever. And so... Basically, unless you saw it in a theater before Star Wars came out, you never saw it without these things in it. Sure. And so I don't really consider it a special edition situation <laughs> because there's no, you know, it's it, it just feels different. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there wasn't decades and multiple media formats. <laughs> I hope that helps him sleep better. At night. <laughs> yeah. I doubt he's lost too much sleep since uh, <laughs> Movies by Minutes Chicago. I hope not. But yeah, so that, like him, and he tells the story obviously way better than I kind of paraphrased it. So that's that was my experience with American Graffiti, <laughs> was just like hearing a little part of it, you know, through him. And and, and hearing Pete the Retailer actually do some of the the singing the of, mm-hmm. of Some Enchanted Evening. So that was a, a special treat. Uh, so we watched it last night, my wife and I, and we both really enjoyed it. Yeah, just had a really good time with it. Uh, there was a few moments, like, there were a few real moments that I wasn't really expecting, given the more lighthearted nature, I would say, of this movie. I guess it's already happened, so. Uh, the the moment with uh, Steven and, I'm blanking on 
her his girlfriend's name. Oh, Lori. Lori. That's in the car now with Falfa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the moment in the car, you know, he's kind of pressuring her because it's his le- their last night together. You know, that's a very real and dark moment that I'm glad didn't go any further, but it's still very unsettling. You know, stuff like that that I was not anticipating. Yeah. 12-year-old Mackenzie Phillips drops the rape word. I mean, yeah, not, yeah. like, that's not a thing that happens in this movie. And, like, that's the joke that she goes that far. He's like, whoa! Yeah. Don't say that out loud! <laughs> she She's great in this movie. I love the <laughs> the interplay with her and, and John Milner. But, yeah, just some stuff like that. And, of course, the end of the movie, I don't want to go, mm. you know, obviously in depth. <laughs> oh, we but, spoiled everything, oh, like, okay. the first week. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, just the the where are they now sort of thing. Uh, I was not expecting, and I think that's the point of it because you never expect someone to get killed by a drunk driver. So to throw it in your face at, at the very end of the movie, it's it's jarring. Um, again, I think that's the point, and it's very real. Things like that uh, surprise me. It was so rough because in this scene, you know. Falf is challenging Milner. <laughs> yeah. And I lo- they only have to exchange oh, like two words. Like yeah. that's it. That's all I Ford tips his hat <laughs> and Milner is like, it's on. Yep. Like that's it. It's such a cool, tough guy exchange. And it, that I think it almost feels like a betrayal or it's like, oh yeah, he dies in a car crash. Right. Oh, racing, right? Like what happened at the end of this? Nope. Just yep. kidding. It's, it's, yeah. It's real. Milner is a cool guy. I I do. Milner obviously knows a lot more about cars than me, so I'm going to defer to him. But uh, he's smoking while working on his car, <laughs> and my like OSHA brain is twitching. He was he was smoking at the gas station. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> he lit up a cigarette and threw the match out. Like, and as he drives away, you can see there's gas. There was gas on the <laughs> on the ground. So yeah. You'd think they would have some sense of safety measures. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just kidding. The other thing that drives me nuts in this is I am not a fan. I, I started to say like, oh, I don't really like Laurie in these scenes. Like I've really liked Cindy Williams in this film, but I don't know what's going on. It's, it's just this part where she's in the car. Like, what is that face that she's giving to Milner? Okay. Like, it's just very weird the way, I mean, well, yeah, I think it's he she's with uh, Falfa, you know, this guy that she's I I get the sense never spent any time with. And they pull up to her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend's one of his best friends. And it's like, I don't want to be seen in the car with this guy, you know, because Uh, I, I feel weird about it now, you know? Yeah. I think it's just being seen publicly in someone else's car. She feels weird about. And the great Cindy Williams reaction faces do come back once it cuts to just Falfa and Lori in the yeah. car. I, I really like those two together. Uh, just in, in this scene, really, you know, you get a little bit of it when, when he's singing to her earlier. But this moment or this uh, little sequence with them in the car together really read to me as very Han and Leia. Mm. I just I mm. like the idea of these two being together um, because they're they would just drive each other crazy. And I, I like that, <laughs> you know, because I don't think Stephen deserves to be with her. You know, he's kind of a, a jerk earlier on. And uh, yeah, I think she could do better. Yeah, I think she could do better than Felfa. Absolutely. He's cuter, but absolutely. But yeah. That's why I love 
because what he says is, why don't you shut up, baby? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, sh- this guy is not the good, you know, like, yeah, no. oh, this guy is serious. This is not down to play. But what I love is that Laurie's reaction to that is like, the hell do you think you're talking to (laughs) yeah so i i do get what you're saying where she's just like i'm sorry what now and that is very leia-ish actually i was comparing her to leia way back at the school dance okay when she was fighting with steve i was just like oh my god like we were doing some uh fan casting swapping her and carrie fisher in various roles (laughs) yeah i could see it yeah absolutely and then harrison ford the fact that he is able to deliver his lines with a straight face. There, there is an actor. Oh, People yeah. talk about Harrison Ford's acting skills growing over time. Oh, no. He says, you'll be hanging on for mercy once I get the sucker rolling. <laughs> and, and means it. <laughs> what does he say to George in, uh, when he's you know, doing Star Wars? Like, you can, you can write this stuff, <laughs> but, but you can't, can't read it. it or, you know, you can't say oh, it. Oh, my God. And then when she looks at him like, you're insane. He just smiles at I, her. I love that smile. I don't even think she's looking at him. Uh, she's oh, like looking out one. the window okay. or looking forward. And, yeah. and he does this little rant and then just, yeah, just smirks basically to himself. But yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. That is so, so great. This is the Han Solo audition yes, that he didn't yeah. know was happening. <laughs> well, even prior to that, the uh, just the challenging nature of pulling up next to John, that's a Han Solo thing. I guarantee Han Solo was racing speeders, you know, in his youth. You know, he would pull up to somebody and want to be the prove that he's the best, you know, pilot. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of Han Solo, Han Solo in this character. Uh, so it really helped add to the... Uh, my enjoyment of of Bob Falfa. <laughs> and again, like, listen to the words coming out <laughs> of his mouth. This is not a good guy. This no, is a no. jerk. This is an older jerk <laughs> who we do not like. But he really he does a he does a great job with all this. And uh, Lori directs him to follow this road straight out of town to get to Paradise Road where they're gonna race. I adore that there is a Paradise Road in Modesto, California, and when you look it up on the map, it runs straight out of town into some big green blocks on Google Maps. (laughs) Nice. It feels, you know, Lucas did not go far for inspiration for this. Um, I got really confused because it sounded like he said... They shot this on Paradise Road in the commentary, but I must have just misheard him and he was talking about Modesto because this was filmed, uh, scene we're going to get to is filmed on Freights Road in Petaluma. But yeah, I loved that, that not only was there really a Paradise Road, okay, fine, yeah, whatever, It that that's how you get to it. Just follow this road straight out of town into fields, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I love Bob's commitment to this uh, intimidation little game that he's playing because he pulls up, he doesn't say anything. He's just staring, you know, straight at John the entire time. John says Paradise Road and and Bob just peels out. Doesn't have a clue where he's going, yep. but he's he's committed to this this you know, performance of like, of, of trying to get into John's head. He's not mm-hmm. going to say, Oh, and, and where is that exactly? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love yeah. that. That is so typical. Yeah. Actually that's the hair. That's the Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if he had done that, he has, he's not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or actually I think he 
literally has that line as Jack Ryan going to the White House. And and where is that? <laughs> oh. oh, I'm a bad movies by minute podcaster. My next note is a question to myself <laughs> because we see um Steve talking to someone else. Sure. That, you know, that there's going to be a race out on Paradise Road. And I meant to look up what that sticker is on the guy's car. Ooh. He has a little decal in the front side window that oh. almost looks like could be Masonic or it could just be the town something. It's kind of a shield shape with yes. like a star inside. It could be like a fraternal order of police kind of thing. Um, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It just, it did not feel like it went with this car oh, at all. I don't know. But, but oh, oh, head can't, I, I'm making this up. This is this kid's dad's car. It, oh, yeah, absolutely it is. <laughs> Most of these cars are, are their father's cars. Because <laughs> we're used to thinking of Milner, Steve's amazing yeah. car, but Lori's driving the family car, and you know what? That will explain it. This guy's driving his dad's car. That's why That's why he has that. If anyone recognizes it from the film, please let me know. But uh, I love this exchange, not because it in and of itself is so great, but because Steve just leaves him. <laughs> <still> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. And bless George Lucas for holding that camera, the extra beat, <laughs> as that kid realizes that he is talking to no one. <laughs> I laugh every time. I was kind of curious, is is this sort of car culture, was it familiar at all to you as far as like growing up in your town? Yes and no. Not nearly to this extent. Yeah. Not nearly as cool cars. And okay. I've gotten to talk to some people who did really like fix up cars and go cruising yeah. and i was like oh okay so i'm now realizing like we basically lived the fanfic version mm. <laughs> of this yeah where we had we were younger enough that by the time we were in high school and driving we'd all seen american graffiti we'd all seen dazed and confused right. we, but it was also pre everyone having a cell phone mm. oh yeah yeah and so what I joke and I've joked on the show before is it's not so much that we went cruising is that we drove up and down the main road looking for cars we recognized in various like diner parking lots <laughs> to find your friends. <laughs> like you'd, you'd meet up with one friend and then you two would get in a car and then you'd go look for other people you knew. Mm, okay. <laughs> so you would kind of end up with this. You know, I remember like having the windows down, yelling over to someone like, we're going to the post road diner. Yeah. No, go to Silver Star. I'll meet you there. You know, like just <laughs> yeah. back and forth as you're driving along or like pull up at a red stoplight, roll down the window. Okay, so we're going here. <laughs> yeah. We'll be there. <laughs> you know, Like this scene I could definitely see happening. And I also do. I should have looked up this guy's name. I feel so bad. Um, But this actor who's in the other car looks like the most like if you would ask me to picture a teenage boyfriend in california this is what i would picture sure yeah he looks that's very, the tan yeah yeah <laughs> and i grew up reading babysitter's club books and my favorite was don schaefer whose brother moves back to california and all i can picture now is that this is what is it john Schaefer? what's her brother's name crap now i don't remember this is what i imagine that kid grew up to look okay. like okay he's great and i love like just the oh He's gone now as Steve peels off to save Lori or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This this whole movie felt this this aspect of it, this cruising idea that this movie is centered around, is was very familiar. 
in my like uh, junior and senior year of high school and then like first couple years of college because I lived close enough to my hometown, you know. So even in college, I was Friday, Saturday night. You were still, you know, cruising up and down the street, you know. And so this felt very, very familiar. And I I lived in a, a, a rural rural enough area <laughs> that you had kind of your your farm boy type country guy country boy kind of people kind of like a bob falfa you know mm-hmm. with their big trucks and then you had muscle cars and this was also you know right around the uh when fast and the furious was first coming out so you had like the the import the japanese import type cars were were becoming popular so there was a lot of that and and i definitely know what it was like to pull up next to somebody and kind of look at each other and you know you're going to race as soon as the wow. as soon as the light turns green you know oh that's amazing yeah so yeah that was the big thing of the joke in my town was like no road was straight for long enough to oh yeah, yeah. except the main drag which every cop in the world sat on sure. every friday and saturday night well but that's that's why you'd you'd say okay we're gonna go out to this road because it's it's flat it's straight there's no stop signs like I definitely have, have been there because yeah I mean I'd gotten pulled over in town enough because we were racing and and then you learn like okay you drive <laughs> you you follow each other just outside of town and that's where you do your racing I will say um Fast and the Furious made a little bit of a comeback of, I think it was when my dad was in high school, but they built a new high school and it was exactly a quarter of a mile long <laughs> and the parking lot extended. So you could measure, but like, and they eventually put in, by the time I was driving, they had put in speed bumps, sure. but it, it was one of those things where it's like, did they, was this a gift? <laughs> yeah. From from the architect, like what what are the odds that it would be exactly a quarter mile with this perfect runoff to <laughs> deal with that? But yes, that unfortunately had been destroyed by the man yeah. by the time I came along. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we've got a Milner on our show today. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have a car that you loved that was your baby? Yeah. Back in the day. So in college. Uh, like first year of college, I got a Mitsubishi 3000 GT and it's, it, it would move. So <laughs> a little bit more stylish than Kurt's import here. A little here. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, we get to see the Citroen in action <laughs> the as, uh, as Kurt makes his way to Burger City and he hears the Wolfman give his dedication and the Wolfman says for the blonde and the T-Bird to either meet Kurt at Burger City or to call Diamond 3132. <laughs> so that's our that's our little cliffhanger. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Will she call? <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the running bit uh, throughout the movie with uh, this blonde in, in the white T-Bird, you know, the, the irony of him, I think, being right next to her or pulling away from her when he's with the pharaohs like that was that was really good and the song playing right there is ain't that a shame which i've always appreciated like and the look on his face is just kind of like of course she's right there and i'm gonna die (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and this is this is excellent day for night (laughs) although it was kind of night but it, this is this is real good 5 a.m. basically mm-hmm. um it's dark enough but you're start you're just starting to get the morning light going and kurt wearing his class ring will he stay will he go 
Uh, we've already spoiled the end of this movie <laughs> many, many times. So that's not actually a cliffhanger, but that is where we leave heart and soul. <laughs> so was there anything I missed? <laughs> I, we covered all my stuff. Um, Harrison Ford is great. Now, uh, did you ever have a blonde and a T-bird or are you not allowed to say <laughs> since you just watched this movie with your wife last <laughs> night? No, I, I was, uh, I was actually with my wife during those time during that time so yeah we've been together we were high school sweethearts so been together during that time and and since hey a happy story happier than steve and Lori. <laughs> i would be very curious to see how she feels about steve but yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think she's she a piece for, of work <laughs> yeah yeah and it's so funny because it's Ron. It, he's literally billed as Ronnie Howard. Yeah. I mean, just a real mind mess with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost said something else, but <laughs> I have to put in the beeps if I swear. So I'm <laughs> restraining myself. Well, I'm so glad you both liked the movie, though. Most people like this movie, but I do know some people who don't like it. So I always get kind of nervous when someone's like, oh, yeah, I've never seen it before. And I'm like, oh, please don't have hated it. Please don't let me have wasted two hours of your life. You know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know either. Um, I, I feel like there were several movies not exactly like this, but like going back and watching National Lampoon's Animal House for the first time as an adult, I don't like that movie because there's some terrible stuff in it. Revenge of the Nerds, it's it's also very, you know, it's a date rape movie, basically, <laughs> at, at a certain point. Same with Animal House, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, I didn't know, I didn't know enough of like what the subject matter Aside from it being what I thought this movie was the 50s, uh, I was surprised that it was 60s, but I thought it was just going to be the 50s version of Dazed and Confused, you know, or Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think in my head it was like, okay, this is just the previous decades version of those movies. Every decade needs one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) George Lucas was very quick to say like, you know, 62... It is the 60s, but it's not the 60s, man. And that was very important to him that it showed like this is really the hangover from the 50s in a way that 2021 is very much (laughs) turning out to be a hangover of 2020. (laughs) These things blur. (laughs) Yeah, like the 90s didn't become the 90s until like 93 or 4. The early 90s were still the 80s, you know, that kind of idea of, yeah. Yeah. That's cool, though. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad. And that's so funny that you were racing. You know, I hope all your races were a lot less dramatic than the one in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I never had any uh, accidents or anything. So now was there a character that you related to or latched on to or just the culture in general? I'd say a little bit, probably a little bit of each person. I saw aspects of Steven's character that I I've felt like like the idea that that Lori had to make a lot of the first moves in their mm. relationship the kit the first kiss <laughs> that sort of thing that was that's how I was with with my now wife like you know I was very like timid or, or didn't want to cross a line like uh, you know didn't want to do something wrong that kind of idea um the the car aspect of it with uh, John, you know, racing and, and things like that, that felt very familiar. Um, being a big dork like uh, Toad, that was, you know, familiar. <laughs> so, yeah, a um, little bit of everybody, I think. Awesome. Well, I guess we will wrap up then. Uh, thank you so much for coming and talking about this. Absolutely. And for I'm, watching the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I had a reason to watch it. Um, it, it. If I didn't, you know, this would have been another movie that I just never got around to. So, yeah, I'm really glad I watched it. I, I 
it was really fun talking about it. So we're, we're filling in some holes in people's movie history. And uh, if you and the listener, but our guest, our listener, whoever, if you would like to join us, we have a Facebook group called Mills Listeners Drive-In, where we talk all things American graffiti, the making of the movie, people who are in the movie. We also definitely like brag if we had a car we like or like looked really cute in this picture from high school (laughs) and never mention the other ones (laughs) Uh, very self-selective social media Mm. presence there and if you're not on facebook we still want to talk to you we do have an instagram they are owned by facebook but we're trying okay and we have a twitter they're not much better but we're trying uh and you can find us there under the handle vcr privileges all one word that's a podcast series that every summer takes a summer movie and deep dives into it one something at a time (laughs) (laughs) and travis would you like to plug your show absolutely um as as you said i'm on uh, real comic heroes and that is my comic book movie review podcast we started with superman and the mole men from 1951 and we go chronologically through the ages and we're currently in uh, the mid 90s uh, we just did the shadow and time cop and we're about to do the unreleased fantastic four from from 1994 Ooh, yeah so nice and then i i'd like to plug my brand new podcast that hasn't come out yet but we we're just now announcing it so this will actually be the first place first podcast i've announced it on i'm teaming up with fellow minuteer brian lockhart he and i are going to do uh, marvel events timeline where we go through the marvel comics history one event at a time wow so we're, we're starting way back in like 1939 with the first meetup of uh Namor the Submariner and the Human Torch and then we'll go through the essentially the same format as my other show we'll go through a big list of events chronologically and and work towards the present awesome and I will say if you were intrigued by our mention of Celebration and Pete the Retailer and Star Wars and Harrison Ford and all that good stuff check out moviesbyminutes.com and listen to more podcasts than you could ever listen to Travis thank you so much for being here I'll be back tomorrow with more uh going to tell you yet if she calls or not but we will we will see paradise grow he's really fast isn't he